We are starting a new series and we're calling it Story Wars. That's right. And so what we're going to do in this series is each week, we're going to pick a story or a character from the Bible and we're just going to unpack it to like a really deep level and learn all that we can from that person or that story in the Bible. And this week, I want to talk about the Apostle Paul and his friend Silas and how they were fully committed to their mission. They were fully committed to their relationship with Jesus. And that got me thinking about what it's like to be fully committed in my own life. And so I, it's not really a secret, but I love to mountain bike. It's like my thing. It's what I love to do outside of work. And, and when you're a mountain biker, there's this like idea that you have to fully commit to what you're doing or you're going to get really hurt. Like it's, it's a problem. And so there have been times in my mountain bike career where I have not been fully committed to going over a jump and it completely ate my lunch and wrecked my day. But recently I rode this new trail and it's called the Palisade Plunge. Has anybody heard of the Palisade Plunge? Yes, so a few of you. If you don't know what it is, it is ridiculous. So you start at the top of the Mesa, and then you ride 32 miles to Palisade. And like that itself, like if, if that were just it, you'd be like, wow, that's, that's a lot. But it is so much more than that. So when they opened this trail, they put out all this social media stuff. They put out these videos, these posts about how this trail is dangerous. Make sure that you are an expert rider and you could die. And I was like, whatever. They're just trying to scare us. They're just trying to keep people who don't know what they're doing off of this trail. Maybe they just want to keep it a secret for themselves. And you know what? They were right. It is really scary. So you start at the top of the Mesa and there's like 14 miles of just this really easy, nice going, flowing, nice, beautiful trail. You're in the trees. There's a meadow. Look, a cow, wildflowers, a butterfly. You're like, this is amazing. What are they talking about? How could I possibly die? And then you come to this part. And it is called John Otto's Wall. Now, if you don't know who John Otto is, he is the person who like built all the trails on the monument back in like the 17, 1800s. I don't know. I'm not a history person. I didn't read the sign. And so there's this like, it's a cliff, like straight up, like you come to an edge and it straight down for like a thousand feet. And there's this tiny little trail that winds all the way down the cliff face. And they're like, ride your bike on it. And I'm like, Okay, um, so you like go down it and you literally, you can't make the turns on your bike. Like there's just no way because if you fall, you're dead. Exactly, that's right, that's the end. And so this trail has signs all along it that are like, know what you're doing, this is a full commitment. And I'm like, how full of a commitment though? But then you come up to these bright yellow signs and are like, warning, death could occur, expert rider only. And I'm like, Oh, that's legit. Okay, so you come around a corner and there's just the whole ride, all 32 miles of it, maybe minus the 10 I mentioned on the top that are beautiful. I'm an exaggerator, it's what I do. But the rest of the time, there's the mountain, there's death, and here's the trail. And you're just on your bike, you're like, all right, we're doing this. And so when you ride a mountain bike and you go downhill, you're in what's called the attack position. And you're like this, you're not sitting on your bike having a leisurely stroll. You are like, fully focused on the trail ahead of you so that you don't die. Well, I did that for 30 miles. And that's really hard because your legs get tired and I'm out of shape. And so we're going and it's, it's a problem because all of a sudden my left quad, my good friend here, decides that we're gonna have a full lockdown quad cramp. And I don't know if you've ever had a full lockdown like leg cramp at all, but like I'm, I'm already kind of a big baby when it comes to pain, but I was like, ah, I'm dying. 
But I was with other, like, other people that I really wanted to impress, like I'm tough, and so I'm like doing this. But on the inside, I'm like, ah, this is the worst thing ever. But I can't get off my bike because there's a cliff there and there's a mountain here. Like there's nothing I can do. So I am fully committed, like locked in. This is what we're doing. And I finally I get to an opening clearing and I just eject from the bike as best as I can because my leg is like twisting in half. And then I had a snack and a juice box and everything was all right. But much like riding a mountain bike from the top of the Mesa to Palisade takes a fully committed attitude. You have to be fully committed. Our faith in Jesus requires us to be fully committed as well. And tonight I want to look at this story between Paul and Silas and how they were fully committed. And this starts in Acts 16. Now, Paul and Silas are traveling to a city called Philippi from a city called Neapolis. And they were preaching, uh, they're traveling to Philippi from Neapolis. I think I said it backwards. But they're preaching the gospel and getting people all over the country of Greece saved. And so they, they start in Neapolis and they go to Philippi. So where did they come from? Neapolis. And where did they go? And if it hadn't been for Neapolis, they'd been in Philippi a long time ago. You just got cotton eyed Joe. Hashtag cotton eyed Joe. You know, where did you come from? Where did you go? We're, it's a t- we're starting it on TikTok. That's a trend now. So do that to your friends. <laughs> That didn't miss. (laughs) But once they got to Philippi, they stayed with a woman named Lydia and they had all these amazing miracles happen. They got her and her whole family saved and they baptized them. And it was this really great moment. So we're gonna pick up our story in Acts chapter 16, verse 16. And it says, once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she was predicting the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, at first look, this seems harmless, right? I mean, that's exactly who they are and that's exactly what they're doing, right? That's their mission. That's what they're set out to do. So what's the harm in her calling this out and yelling this out to the people? Wouldn't they want more people to come in and get saved, right? Well, first of all, it's not exactly the polite thing to do, right? It'd be weird if you went to Target today and some lady all of a sudden showed up behind you and was like, this is Joe. He's here to buy Superman underwear and then a Blu-ray copy of Snow Dog starring Cuba Gooding Jr. And he's going to tell you that it's a really good movie, but it's not. It's just a ripoff of Air Buddies Snow Buddies. That would be weird, right? That would be really strange for a myriad of reasons. But that would be weird and embarrassing. The strangers at Target don't need to know your business, just like the people of Philippi didn't need to know what Paul and Silas were up to, mainly because they were capable of doing that themselves. The second reason is this was strange and alarming because it wasn't exactly legal to be a Christian at this time. If, they, if Paul and Silas had been like caught preaching about Jesus where they were, they would have faced some major consequences. They could have gotten in a lot, a lot of trouble. And so this lady was a fortune teller, right? And it means that she was predicting the future without the gift of prophecy, without the Holy Spirit, right? She's listening to the wrong spirit. And this is a demonic spirit. This is an evil spirit. So she's not operating in the, in the giftings of God. And so this was a plot from the enemy. This lady who showed up and is calling out what they're doing, this is, a, this is a device of the enemy trying to stop the work of God in this area. In verse 18, it says, she kept this up for many days. So not only was she already sounding the alarm on these guys, but she was sounding the alarm on them for days, <laughs> like multiple days. 
I don't know about you, but if I, everywhere I went, like I show up at Chick-fil-A and there's some lady behind me and she's like, he farted. And then I'm like walking through the mall and he's like, he just picked his nose and flicked it. Or you're just walking around. And he's like, he's kind of full of himself, but really insecure. That one's too honest. We're going to keep moving. But anyways, <laughs> it would be weird. It would drive me crazy, but we're going to continue in the verse. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, the evil spirit, right? In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Now, Paul was a lot more patient than I probably would have been if someone were following me everywhere and yelling everything that I was doing, especially because I'm up to shenanigans a lot of the time, right? Like I'm, I'm, doing, I'm playing tricks and doing things. And if somebody was always behind me tattletailing on everything I was doing, I wouldn't be able to do weird things to Joe's office. I wouldn't be able to do weird things to Pastor Will's truck or hide in the darkness of 4640 and scare Brittany and Madeline and Hope. I couldn't do it because somebody's always tattling on me. But lucky for me, that's not something I have to deal with. <laughs> but Paul did. Now, fortunately, Paul was fully committed to Jesus and their relationship. So Paul knew what to do. And that's our first point in this message. We're going to look at two things tonight at what it means to be fully committed to Jesus. And so Paul was fully committed to the truth about praying in Jesus' name. Paul believed what Jesus said when he taught about praying in his name. Jesus tells us in John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, it says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So when Paul and Silas were faced with a plot from the enemy to stop them from sharing the good news about Jesus, sharing the gospel, they remembered they remembered what it is that Jesus taught them. They were fully committed to Jesus because they believed what he said was true. And then we not only see that what he said was true, ask for anything in my name and I shall do it, but it worked super well, right? It says at that moment, the spirit left her. And remember, it was an evil spirit. So not, a, not only did it help their plan, not only did it help forward them into what God called them to do, but that poor slave girl got free too. Right When we pray in Jesus' name and we ask for what it is that we need in his name and it lines up with the will of God and he delivers it, not only do we get what we need, but other people can get freedom from that too. Jesus moves in powerful ways. And when we enact his name, when we use his name in prayer, mountains move. So when you're faced with the attack of the enemy in your life, when something's going wrong, when, when you're facing something big and like a giant, maybe you're getting bullied at school, maybe you don't feel like you have any friends, pray and ask in Jesus' name for those things to be fixed. Jesus told us that we can ask for it in his name and he will do it. The story goes on in verse 19 and it says, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone. Now remember, the fortune teller girl was a slave and she made lots of money for her masters. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. And they brought them before the magistrates or the leaders and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. What a couple of babies. Now, these are like the worst dudes ever already, right? Because their slave owners are taking advantage of another person and their life, which is horrible. But then they just lied. They just were like, these guys are causing an uproar in our community. How dare they, ne'er do wells? And we're like, they were praying for people, 
right? They were praying in the name of Jesus. They helped that girl be free of the enemy's influence in her life. And they're like, we, they just were mad that they'd lost their, their way to make money, right? They're not good men. And they lied about these men in the, in, in, the, in the law. And then in verse 22, it continues, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. And this leads us to the second way that Paul was fully committed to Jesus, which is Paul was fully committed to worshiping God in times of trouble. Acts 16, and 20, uh, 16 verse 25 says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, I've always wondered what this moment looks like. Really helpful. Hey, uh, you guys must be Paul and Silas. Everybody say hi. Hi, Paul. Hi, Silas. Thanks, guys. You're in jail. Please help yourself to the very small jail cell. You are very large men. Come on. That's helpful. Um, I'm glad that you guys showed up. Okay, so let's start this part over with, with the guys, and we'll see how it looks, right? Acts 16, verse 25 through 28, about midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Thank you, Thank Lord, for saving Lord, me. For saving Thank me. you, Lord, Thank for you, saving Lord, me. For saving oh, me. my soul, crack. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Saving me. Hey, yeah, it's good. What, um, what? Hold that. Uh, Hold that. What? Are, are you... Are you writing? Yep. I'm writing a letter to the, the people from Philippi, Philippians. What? Just um, about being content in difficult circumstances. Right, um, right now? Yeah. Hey, hey. I can do all things through Christ who strength. That's oh. good. I'm going to write that down. Write it down. Write that one really, down. That's really good. Yeah. yeah so imagine, a, imagine a song about it, like... Through you, I can do anything. Anything. I can do I all can do, things. I can do all things. Because you who gives me strength. Gives me strength. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Yeah. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that, the, ah! that shook the foundations of the prison. Ah! Ah! What happened at the end? The foundations of the prison were shaken. Um, okay. And then at once, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. That was a little anticlimactic. <laughs> the jailer woke up, and when he saw that the prison door was open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. Oh, that's me. Don't harm yourself. We are all here. Paul. That's me again. Yeah, that's you again. We are all here. And that's exactly how it happened. Probably. All right, let's, say, let's give Paul and Silas a hand. Thank you. You guys were great. Yep, yep. Thank you. Boy, we have the best actors, right? <laughs> that was weird. All the goofiness aside, right? This is such a powerful moment in Scripture. This is such a powerful moment in Scripture. We see Paul and Silas trapped in a jail cell. And instead of whining, instead of moping, instead of wondering how could it be them, they decided to pray and worship. 
How could they do that, right? How could they be in prison and decide to pray and worship and put God first? Because it's not like the jail of today where there's a bed and there's a weight room and you get fed up, which is, I mean, there are things about prison that are bad. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying prison's good today. But prison in biblical times was literally a hole in the ground or it was a cave and it was filled with rats and it was filled with garbage and other icky, creepy crawlies and probably nasty things and Furbies and all kinds of terrible things. But it, it, was, it was bleak to say the least, right? Prison in biblical times was the worst. And yet they still chose to worship God in spite of their circumstances. And I think it's because this wasn't their first time they had been in trouble like this and it wouldn't be the last. You remember earlier when I was talking about the city they are in, Philippi, and, and how they were called the Philippians and there was a church there. And, and Paul actually wrote a letter to that church, the, the Philippian church. And in that letter, he tells the church this profound truth. It's found in Philippians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verses 10 through 14. It says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me, the Philippines being concerned, uh, Philippines, that's a country, not a church in Greece. The Philippians are concerned about Paul. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Meaning, it didn't matter what Paul and Silas' situation was like. It didn't matter that they were in the house of Lydia, having a great time, being fed and cared for it as they prayed and got these people saved and baptized. It didn't matter then that they found themselves being whipped and beaten. They knew how to be content and have peace in all situations, how to pray and worship God in the worst of times. And it's because they were fully committed to Jesus. I mean, can you imagine being in jail and thinking, man, I am so content right now. Like this is just, I'm full of peace. That's crazy, right? That would be insane if you were in jail and you're just like, I'm super content. But that's literally what's happening with Paul and Silas. They knew that God had their back, back so they didn't have to be afraid of anything, right? What could they fear if God was standing behind them? They were so fully committed to Jesus that when they were faced with trouble, they decided to worship God instead of freaking out. It says in Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, the very same letter that Paul wrote, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Or in other words, don't freak out. Don't freak out. When you face trouble, pray and worship and thank God for all he has done, right? Every time there's a bad thing in our life, we can choose to focus on what's bad and what's going wrong, or we can choose to acknowledge, yeah, that's tough, that's bad, but look at all these other things that I have going on that God has already done in my life. 
And when we're fully committed to Jesus, we're able to take what the enemy is throwing at us. We're able to take that health diagnosis that is like cancer with your aunt or your parents lost their job or you're getting bullied at school or maybe you feel like you don't have any friends. You can take all of that bad and you can say, yes, that's tough. But look at this. I have breath in my lungs. I have a mom who loves me so much. I get to, I get to go to school every day. Like I, we, we didn't get to do that a year ago. And now I get to be with my friends every day. And, and even though homework is kind of lame and, and tests are hard, and maybe I, I don't feel as smart as I could be and I'm struggling, I still get to be here with people, right? When we are fully committed to God, we can have perspective that shows us, yes, things are hard, but God is so much bigger. When we have that perspective, when we're fully committed to Christ, we are able to pray about the things that we need in Jesus' name. We are able to worship God when circumstances are hard in our our life. And then there's one more thing about being fully committed to Jesus that we need to understand tonight. And that's being fully committed to Jesus. That's asking him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. That's asking him to lead you through life and, and give you a home forever in heaven. And so what I want to do right now is I want, I want everybody to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I just want to make some space in the room for maybe, maybe you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you haven't been fully committed to him before. Or maybe you have asked him to be your Lord and Savior, but but you haven't really been living like it. You haven't been fully committed, right? You haven't been on fire for God, living like a Christian should. And so what I want everybody to do is I, is I want you to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Lord, please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died and rose again in my place. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, please give me a home forever in heaven. Be the Lord and leader of my life. And help me to be fully committed to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If we will be fully committed to Jesus and what he's taught us, he will save us from trouble. So when we face difficulty in life, let's be fully committed. Let's pray in Jesus' name and ask him for what we need. When we face difficulty in life, let's be fully committed and worship him and pray in the face of what is going wrong in our life and have a perspective of God. Let me pray. Lord God, we love you so much. Jesus, I thank you for every student, every person in this room. I pray that as they walk out of here tonight, God, they would hear your voice and they would know that you are guiding and lead them. Lord, be our leader so we can be fully committed to you. God, help us to pray in time of need. Help us to worship in time of need and help us to always keep our eyes fixed on you. God, I ask for blessings for every single person in this room. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.